Welcome to the Beyond the Message podcast, where our goal is to help you leverage the 167 hours outside of your Sunday in this episode today. Uh, We are responding to some of the incredible and awesome questions that came through from one of our most recent Sunday experiences, or series more so, Asking for a Friend, where we asked you to send in a question that you might have about life, faith, or Christianity, or even better, really, a question that maybe your friend has, but really, you're probably asking it for yourself. (laughs) We hope you enjoy today's episode. My name is Riley. I'm hijacking today. Normally, we have a different BTM host, but I'm here with Chris. Chris, we have so many good questions here i'm looking at them uh and this is going to be a real treat of an episode i'm i'm stoked because i i've loved this series i don't know um i don't know how you felt about this series in particular i don't know if you can say this but i have favorite series i don't know if you ever have series like i'm just so stoked was this a favorite for you honestly i love i just love answering people's curly questions Mm. about faith like for me that's well, I love I love talking to people who don't know Jesus or people who have a bunch of questions about faith. And yeah, just yeah, dialoguing around that stuff. Yeah, I just loved having. So I did love this series. I'm just reflecting on it now. This is definitely a fave mm. panel part two. Steph Tal, how good were they? My goodness, Nathan Mueller. Oh, I love Nate. Oh my yes. gosh, it was so fun. That was actually an absolute ruckus. That was a that was a lot. I of just fun. had to live vicariously through it. But <laughs> no, I know, guys, <laughs> you were camping. I was camping. You were you were retreating, um, but yeah, no, I know. not anything that spiritual. No, come on, you were retreating. We were <laughs> Chris was away on an island, and just meditate. No, you were camping, um, but I know the first thing when you came back, I was just like, oh, 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 let me I tell knew, you about out, Sunday, and I let tried me to give figure you. out a way to call Riley during the <laughs> we way did. to get reception, but I, I couldn't. And when I, I found like, this out, I was like, what are you doing? What type of break are you I having? But listen. I wanted to hear yeah, you guys I'm so excited for this series. No. I knew you kept saying that in the lead up to it as well. So, well, hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully we can double down and the series can continue to live on at least mm. the conversation side of it through some of these great questions yeah. uh, that have come through today. I'm really excited for them. I was excited to prepare for these, but I'm really excited now that we're in the room together to, <laughs> well, to talk about it. Well, let's just say from the get-go, thank you so much for everyone who submitted questions. Uh, that shaped conversations of a Sunday, but it also shaped today's conversation uh, too. Uh, and thanks for being bold. Thanks for your courage. Thanks for asking for a friend. Um, if you did ask for a friend, for those of you who did do that, thank you. And thank but you also, for asking for yourself as well. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for asking for yourself. Um, whole bunch of great mm. questions. Um, let's just get into them. I'm excited. Let's just rip them. Yeah. Question number one, Chris. Yeah. I love it. Uh, it's actually just, it's tailored to you. It's just calling me out. It's it? calling you yeah. out. The question is, what's your view of the chosen TV series? The TV series called the chosen. Yeah. Um, I don't want to call out the people that wrote this question. So I won't say anything about York and Beck. But nice, um, yeah. You see what I did there? Uh, but I, I haven't watched it, and they, they, York and Becker in our connect group, <clears throat> or well, I say our, my mm. name is connect group that we run, and Good. without fail, every single week somehow this comes up. Like Chris, have you and then watched the chosen yet? No, I haven't. Do you know what it's about? Have they given you any? Yeah, they've sort of... told me it's about the life of Jesus. And oh, okay. it's, it's like apparently a like um, effectively and. 
Christians mm-hmm. will get this. It's it's not like a dodgy remake of it. Apparently, no, it's, it's like, good. I've heard bits and bobs. Yeah, apparently it's like a, like like a TV like series, like yeah, yeah, yeah. episodes, and it kind of tracks through. And they've got, <clears> I think it's like six seasons or something planned, like all yeah. through the life of Jesus, and it's crowdfunded. So I love the idea. Is of it crowdfunded? It. It's crowdfunded. Yeah, Unreal. So they, they let you know um, when you've got to a certain threshold, which means they can start producing the next episode. But it's a hundred percent crowdfunded. Oh, come on. Yeah, so I get around that. Yeah, so, so I you like you like that element of it that it's crowdfunded. I like the idea that there's a whole bunch of people mm. like putting money into it. Apparently, it's got I don't know millions and millions of streams and yeah, downloads. It's... There's an app. I think you have to watch it through the chosen app or something. Um, but yeah, cool. It's, very cool. It's kind of on my to get to mm-hmm. list. Mm-hmm. It's to get to not obviously York and Becker being bang on this for about six months. So it's not my to get to quickly list. Yes. But it's on my someday maybe. Yeah, someday list. maybe list. Yeah. yeah, which is the list of yours. That's yeah, well that's awesome. Well thank you very much to whoever asked that question. Yeah. <clears throat> York and Beck. Maybe this might be a future probably, connect group. It's probably more York than <laughs> Beck. Yeah, let's yeah. be honest. Beck couldn't care less. <laughs> oh my goodness. It could be a great connect group curriculum one day, Chris, for all we know. I'm sure it will be. I'm sure it will be. Yeah. Excellent. First question. Well, we are we're kicking off here. All right. Question number two. This is this is a good one. Mm. We talked part two um, yeah. with the panel around curly curly questions or just yeah. questions that are like some. This is a very as a lot of these questions are in fact a great question. Yep. Um, and it's one that often yeah we we might think about. Um, or maybe don't think about it enough and then we think about it, we're like wow good question alright the question yeah. is this two people who have never heard about Jesus go to hell and then there's kind of a second question in the okay. question uh, the question is is there a second chance when you die to choose to believe and not stay in hell yeah yeah well two slightly different questions but Along the same kind of general theme. Let's go mm-hmm. with the second one. Is there a second chance when you die to choose to believe and not stay in hell? Mm-hmm. Um, scripture doesn't specifically say anything either way mm-hmm. on this. And so when it comes to this question, I, I always just appeal to the fact that like, let's appeal to what we know about God. You know, and we know that we God is gracious. Um, we know that God is just. So I get that it's challenging to, to leave that in God's hands. Yep. Um, and often, you know, I, I know we want to know, hey, where do my friends, where do my family stand when it comes to Jesus? Um, but, you know, the, the truth is, and as, as challenging as it, as it is, is that only God can stand in judgment of our souls. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to let God be God, but we also need to trust knowing that, you know, God is a gracious God. God is a just God. God wants to draw all people to know him. And so... Um, is there a second chance? I have no idea what comes after death. Um, but the reality is no one does. So I just appeal to, to who I know Jesus to be. Um, the first part of this question, you know, to people who have never heard about Jesus go to hell. Well, um, I think well, where I wanted to start with that was by looking at like what, what happens if we take the idea that, oh, well, it doesn't really matter what you believe because everyone goes to heaven. And, and that idea is universalism. So that's the attempt that, you know, hey, whatever you believe doesn't really matter because we'll, we all end up in heaven anyway. Mm, mm. The truth is like that's on the surface sounds nice. But if you look at every world religion, every world, major world religion is so different, so markedly mm. different in their understanding of God and their understanding of grace and their understanding of salvation, all those sorts of things. So I just don't think that idea of universalism works. Um, and so what, what I would say... Um, 
is that uh, John 12 uh, verse 32 says that Jesus does want to draw all people to himself. And so his goal is for everyone to know him. Now, where that might not be possible is that his free will comes in to the equation, right? So we all have free will. Um, and so we all have the decision to choose not to believe in Jesus. But what about people who've never heard of Jesus? So um, something that theologians talk about a little bit are these kind of what's called general and special revelation. So general revelation is the idea that, hey, our minds and our consciences point us to God. So like Psalm 19, Romans 1 talk about the fact that, you know, when you look at a sunset or you look at like the mountains or you look at the beach, there's just something something within you that just kind of is awestruck, mm. wondering mm. like, wow, like surely like we can't be all that there is. Yeah. Yeah. I remember talking to you about this when I was 17. Okay. We were talking about general revelation. We were talking about, you know, how can people who are in, you know, areas of the world, mm. you know, in indigenous tribes yep. really yep. have no idea, like how, yep. how could the gospel, how could they ever come to yep. know that they could be a, yeah. You know, a God creator of the universe, the one we talk about in Christian faith. 100%. And I think this is where the general revelation side of things came into play. Absolutely. And so there is this kind of intrinsic or this innate built into us that, hey, there's something bigger out there. And so then there's special revelation, which which I would just say is the gospel of Jesus. So it's mm-hmm. that part that kind of goes, hey, you know, you know that there's a God out there. Well, let me give you that God's name, that God's name is Jesus. And if there was no need for anyone to hear about Jesus, um, then there would have been no need for Jesus to kind of like send his disciples into the world. If general revelation was was just enough, doesn't doesn't need to to, to bother about mm. it. So mm. I always say that our role as Jesus followers is to influence those in our circles for Jesus, yes. but also to trust that Jesus is drawing all people to himself. Yep. So even in tribes yep. and indigenous places that haven't heard about Jesus. In fact, this is a little bit morbid. But Emma and I were driving back from camping, the camping trip we're on. Mm. And there is a there is a podcast that I love called Case Files, which is just... Yes, you've told me about Yeah, just Case all Files about murders and stuff. And yep. what they were actually talking about is in it, they were talking about a Christian missionary who was murdered um, because they went to an island, um, one of the most dangerous places, I think off the coast of India, mm. um, that hasn't been settled. And they were murdered because they were trying to share the gospel with people. So there are, yeah, yeah places right. in the world that have never heard about Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and there's, yeah, efforts to do that. But mm. yeah, so I say like our role is to influence our, uh, influence our circle and then also trust that Jesus is drawing all people to himself. Like Jesus' goal is not for people to miss out. Mm. Mm. That's, that's, that's kind of where I sit on that yeah. one. No, thank you for your response and your prep on that one. All right, next question. Mm. That's a good one. Can Christians swear? That's a great question, isn't it? <laughs> That's a great question. I had to think long and hard about this one because I was like, if the answer is no, then I've got to change <laughs> the way that I talk. Here's what I think. I think it's very subjective because even even you think about now, what's a swear word in one culture is not a swear word in another culture. What's offensive in one culture is not offensive in another culture. Mm. But here's what Proverbs does say. And scripture has a lot to say about the tongue. You know, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life um, are in the power of the tongue. Mm-hmm. And what I think is that you can tear someone down without swearing. Um, and you can also build someone up um, without swearing. And so really what I think is that our words are powerful. And so when it comes to, to our words, we should be quick to listen, slow to speak and use language that builds people yeah, up. Yeah, language. Yep. Yeah, because scripture really is... Um, 
gets us to, to just see how powerful our words are. And so I think, you know, regardless of, you know, is, is it a sin to swear or can we can Christians swear or not? I think Christians should use their words um, to build people up in a powerful way mm. and recognize that there's power in them. Mm. Mm. I like the question. That was a good question. Yeah. Great question. I think I did a typical polit- politician and dodged that slightly. <laughs> if you don't feel like I answered it correctly, resubmit the question. <laughs> Shirt front Christmas Sunday. <laughs> Get in his DMs. No, it's um. There's good questions. I've always heard of people talking about Christian swear words as well, like Christians overusing like flip a yeah. lock or, or flipping or yeah. like um. Even in the Alpha course, they talk about like a Christian swear words being like or we, like we take Jesus people saying like oh you know using Jesus yeah, Christ yeah, yeah. as a way of swearing. And I know in terms of doing um using the alpha course yep. which is all about if you haven't heard of alpha check it out or hit us up yes. and we'll get you the resources we'll give you yes. yeah don't google it for yourself come talk come to us alpha, starting point. <laughs> starting point right there they talk about how like jesus is so famous he's been talked about for the last two thousand years and that people are literally using his name as a swear word yes but we don't go around using like you know spill coffee on ourselves and go like oh justin bieber like yes stuff like that yes. and um but yeah, that's really got nothing to do with swear words. I didn't even dodge that like a politician. That just wasn't really going anywhere. I just thought that was funny alpha stuff and a great plug for starting point. If you're keen, questions about life, faith, Christianity, hit us up. All right, next question. Should Christians be interested? <laughs> this is a great transition. Should Christians be interested and involved in politics? This is this is a pertinent question because it is election time at the time we're recording this in Australia. It there is. There is a... Um, there is a federal election coming up. And so my answer to this is yes, but perhaps not in the way that people think. Um, you know, one, one of the things that, that I observe, and I don't know whether you agree with me, but it frustrates me and it, I don't know, it kind of almost, and I can understand why so many, um, so many of the next generation get disenfranchised with political parties because I see these campaign ads. Mm-hmm. And so often it is just trashing the other party. Like mm. the, the 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 whole point of someone's campaign is to tear down the other party, and then in in my head the question that comes is like, okay, so so what are you going to do? Like, what are you standing for? Like, or is all that you do just stand against this other yeah yeah political party? Um, and and I get I get that it's easy to it's easy to build an audience on the left, it's easy mm. to build an audience on the right, um, it's easy to get people to click on your you know, on your marketing ads or on yep, your yep. the headlines, but you won't find Jesus there. And the reason you won't find Jesus there is because Jesus didn't play the game to win. You know, mm. Philippians talks about the idea that like um, Jesus, even though he was in very nature, God didn't see that as something to cling to, but gave up his divine nature. Why for us? Mm. Like Jesus, when you think about the life of Jesus, Jesus played the game to lose so that the other team could win. Like when you think about the gospel, the gospel is all about the fact that that Jesus played to lose so that we could win. Mm. And it was in his losing that we won. Mm. And so I think I think the church, the church looks the most like Jesus when we're actually defending the rights of um, other people's rights as opposed to our own. Yep. And um, I have no, so, so the long and short of that is I have no issue with anyone belonging to a political party. I have no issue with anyone being involved in politics because I think... All Christians should know about social issues and we should know about what's going on in the world. But where I kind of think that people might need to rethink things is like the moment that you begin to defend your rights and the rights of your party 
over other people is when you start to miss Jesus. Mm. And the moment you start to defend your rights and the rights of, you know, like I said, that political party, I think you move yourself out to the left and you out, move yourself out to the right and then you start to demonize other people and that you won't find Jesus out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's what I would say. Don't miss Jesus in the midst of all of it. Thanks for your response. Good question again. Here's another good one. Chris? Yeah. Were dinosaurs real? Yeah. Let me preface this by saying um, pastors get asked the most bizarre questions in the sense that like my my study and my my field of expertise mm. is like leadership mm-hmm. and the bible and a little bit of philosophy mm. yet i get asked about dinosaurs and you know the big bang and i'm sure you've been asked about all this stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. so let me just acknowledge right off the battle some of these questions are outside of my scope of expertise okay were you a Jurassic Park fan when you were younger, though? Actually, no. I missed the whole Jurassic Park. Boat. Missed the whole wow. Yeah, Jurassic know, World. You on board with the new trilogy? I haven't seen anything. Do you have any? No Jurassic Park. Wow. Do you know what a Triceratops is? Oh, I feel like I should. Is that the one with the like the, on all fours with like kind of the rhino looking thing? Yeah, no. It's yeah, pretty much like the rhino. Yeah, no, you got a big tick on that. All right, yeah, no. You you've got enough. You got enough to answer this one so, in some way. Um, I don't think for me anyway as a layperson answering this, I don't think there's any debate scientifically that dinosaurs existed i just don't think it. i think there's two schools of thought in terms of um you know from the christian worldview um there's often these terms old earth and young earth which mm-hmm. is effectively you know is the earth um millions and is the universe millions and billions of years old or is the earth young you know is only a couple of thousand years old mm. and so old earthers would kind of um probably fall into the boat that you know a meteorite hit the earth and destroyed the dinosaurs at some point in time and that's um pretty typical yeah and so then the, the young earth option is that you know um that dinosaurs were created with um with humans during creation and then died out during the ice age mm. um, just like the movie just like the movie uh, i haven't seen you haven't seen them <laughs> I haven't seen Ice Age 1 or 2. Have you, is there a 3? Have you seen any dinosaur related? Maybe. No, it was obviously just my era of like childhood and growing up. Which is there is Land also. Before Time. Land no, Before... No, not no. even Land Before Time. No, oh. I have seen Land Before Time. Have you seen the movie? I think it's just called Dinosaurs. No. Oh, okay. No. Like they're actually... I feel like I'm a bit of a movie noob because there is a running joke even in like... Um, our families that mm. like Emma reckons like I had a deprived childhood because me, me and my brother just didn't really watch Disney movies. Yeah, just one, yeah. I don't know, just one something I was particularly interested in. But no, yeah. no dinosaur, no, no, dinosaur movies. movies. Yeah, there you go. Um, so yeah, Sorry. I think if, yeah, if um, you kind of got two schools of thought, mm-hmm. I think there's there's no debate. Yep, dinosaurs existed. Dinosaurs were real. Um, it just depends whether you you know old Earth or a young Earth for how they died out. Yeah, Queensland Museum, some there dinosaurs go. there. Ah, oh. not. Not real ones. Maybe I should go and learn about them. I think cassowaries were around when dinosaurs were around. That's a fun fact. I'll fact check that and then someone can ask it next time we do asking for a friend. Yeah. Next question. Was the world actually created in seven days? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there's part of me that just doesn't want to answer this and just say simply this. It's not a biblical issue. Mm-hmm. It's not a biblical issue. So follow the scientific evidence where it leads you. Follow the scientific evidence where it leads you. There are, let me let me say this though. There are a number of Christians, uh, Christian schools of thought on this. Mm. You can be a 
someone who believes it was literally created in seven days. Mm. You can be someone who believes it was created over thousands of years. You can be someone who believes that, you know, every day was an eon and it was millions of years, right? So um, was the world actually created in seven days? I, I don't know. Um, and again, the way I'm wired, I don't. It doesn't particularly bother me. Mm. Um, I again, I tend to probably think that the universe is is billions of years old. That's just um, my own opinion. Although I, but but where I draw the line is, I don't think holding any of those viewpoints makes you a Christian or not. Mm. Um, and there are some people who will say, "Oh, you got to believe it's it." Like was a starting point to faith is yeah. This question, yeah, you got to. If you don't believe it was literal <clears throat> seven days, and you don't trust the Bible, I I just disagree with that. I don't yep. think that's accurate at all. So, I I would say follow the scientific evidence where it leads you, and know that it, it shouldn't be um, a barrier to faith mm-hmm. because the barrier is, <clears throat> did Jesus die and rise again? Yes, yes. Hopefully, a helpful framework for you mm-hmm. and for those or the person who asked that question. Next question. All right, what's with the genocide in the Bible? There seems to be times when God commands this. Why? Yeah, and this is, I think, honestly, this for me, this is one of the um, one of those really challenging tensions to wrestle with as a Jesus follower. Um, and and I'll just be upfront and say I don't think I have an emotionally satisfying answer to this question at, at this point in time. Just simply because I don't know if there is an emotionally satisfying answer to this question so i want to answer it and i want to address it before before i do i want to also highlight something that we have to recognize and the historian tom holland um talks about this not the spider-man tom holland the historian tom holland there is a historian yep historian tom holland i think i knew this yeah yeah two tom hollands um and, and he kind of highlights this thing that i think we all need to recognize that a lot of the reason we resist the idea of evil is because of jesus and our culture and our cultural thinking around morality is so, so deeply influenced by Jesus, but we don't really even, we're not even aware of it. Because mm-hmm. when Jesus entered history, like there was mongering warlords and it was about power and it was about might and there was warring gods and there was paganism and all this sort of stuff. But then Jesus introduced this idea of, of actually about being about peace, you know, about nonviolence, about praying for your enemies, about turning the other cheek. And these were brand, these were not like, These were brand new ways of thinking when Jesus entered the world. And so I don't think we can underestimate just how much of our cultural thinking and and the reason that we resist this is actually because of Jesus to begin with. Um, But having said that, I think there's four statements um, when it comes to um, to this idea of genocide and navigating. And, 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 you know, we can focus specifically on um, often one that people talk about is the mm-hmm. genocide of the Canaanites. So mm-hmm. it's found in Deuteronomy. But um, so I'll let you know that there's four statements that we have to navigate when it comes to this idea um, of the Canaanite genocide. Um, one of one of these um, being true kind of logically invalidates, sorry, logically invalidates the other. So not all four of them can be true. Mm. We kind of have to pick um, right. You know, which yeah. one we want to invalidate yes. so yep. that the other three yep. can be true. Gotcha. And I'll let you know what the four statements are. The first, It is God is good. Second statement, the Bible is true. Mm-hmm. Third statement, genocide is evil. Fourth statement, God commanded genocide. Mm. And so we have to look at like each of those and, and uh, one by one really quickly and kind of figure out where do we lead on this. And so the first statement, God is good. Um, well, for me... Um, 
there are some people who kind of seem to, you know, and Richard Dawkins is a big proponent of this, like, oh, the Old Testament God is different to the New Testament God. Yes. Yep. But as a Jesus follower, we believe that the invisible God became visible in Jesus, that God took on flesh and entered history. So there really is no difference between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. They're the same God. Um, and for me anyway, and this is a really simplistic way of looking at this, because of Jesus' death on the cross, I, I can know that God is good and God wants to personally know us. His invitation, his... He's giving up his life on the cross, demonstrates his goodness mm. and his desire to know us. So I think the first statement, God is good, is, is accurate. Um, the second statement, the Bible is true. Um, some scholars have done, um, what, what they've done in, to try to navigate this is they said that, well, God actually didn't command genocide. In fact, what happened is the Israelites, they kind of got overzealous. They got a little bit in their sinfulness. They took God's position too far and they ended up then committing genocide on mm. the Canaanites. Now, mm. um, for me, I'm not, I'm not particularly comfortable with this position because Jesus, Jesus himself seems to affirm the validity of the Old Testament. Um, and so if Jesus affirms the validity of the Old Testament, the teachings of the Old Testament, um, I don't want to really kind of go, oh, yeah, this, this didn't really happen and this wasn't quite accurate and this wasn't really that way. I don't, I don't want to start to... I think that leads to us cherry-picking what parts of Scripture we want to buy into and yep. which parts yep. we don't want yep. to and I don't think that leads to a, a healthy or a helpful faith mm. um, the third third one so I don't want to I don't want to um, put that one yep. away I think the yep. Bible is true um, the third one genocide is evil um, one thing scholars have done is that they'll often say um, they'll say well it's wrong for human rulers to play God but God isn't playing God God actually is God and God can extend judgment if he chooses because mm. he is God he's got the ability to do that and um, there's part of me that can actually kind of almost see why um, why that would be true because yeah like okay God is God God is not um, playing God God um, has standards for justice and and for me it's really <clears throat> kind of bo- the reason I can see it is because of that justice thing like I think if someone truly is stands for justice there comes a point where they can't idly stand by and watch atrocities happen anymore. They have to, they have to step in. Um, and so for me, there is a sentiment that, you know, we can't just love everyone. We can't just let whatever we want to happen, happen. Mm. So God at some point does have to step in. Um, I just don't, I just am kind of uncomfortable with accepting the notion that the genocide is is not evil on a technicality, right? I think genocide is evil. Mm. Um, mm. And so for me, um, I would say, you know, if you're a Jesus follower, this is a position you could take. Um, and it's some, like some really faithful um, Jesus followers have taken, you know, well, God wasn't playing God, he is God. But I'll, I'll leave that up to your conscience to figure out. The fourth one, which is probably where I sit a little bit more, is that God commanded genocide. Um, and the reason that I'm probably uh, most comfortable kind of resisting this, um, resisting this particular premise in saying that, you know, because then it affirms that genocide is evil, mm. that the Bible is true and mm-hmm. God is good. I just want to yep. make my point, yep, yep, yep. my position clear rather, um, is that what scholars have, have seen in, the, in, the, in ancient wartime narratives, um, narratives often have hyperbole in them and narratives often talk about extermination. Mm. Narratives often talk about killing people yep. um, in these big gory ways. But often what you see when you um, is what God wanted for the Canaanites was not extermination, but exile yes. because of their behavior. Yes. Now, when you get into actually the biblical text, 
you find even more because what you when you actually read the story of the Canaanites, what you discover is the nation of Israel isn't some big bully nation, right? Mm. They're not some big, you know, nation state with lots of money and that. They're actually a pretty tiny nation comparable to the Canaanites. The Canaanites are far more powerful than the Israelites. Um, Further than that, the Israelites' attacks on the Canaanites are not focused on civilian population centers. They're only ever focused on military strongholds. And then the only time that non-military combatants are actually mentioned in the um, in the conquest accounts was Rahab and her tavern-keeping husband, and they're actually saved and welcomed into the nation of Israel. Mm. And so for me, it's a lot more <clears throat> it's a lot more um, easy on the biblical evidence to say, well, actually, God didn't command genocide. The language that the Israelites are using is language that is consistent with ancient warfare and a lot of hyperbole. And if we actually read the account of what actually happened, we discover that it was only armies fighting armies, like which was just modern day. Yep. They were going for military strongholds, not civilian populations. And then when the one time a civilian is mentioned, the civilian is not harmed. Mm. The civilian is taken, taken care of. Yep. So for me, I kind of I personally sit with a little bit number four that God actually didn't command genocide um, and when we actually understand the biblical narrative a bit better we, we understand that God yeah God didn't um, understand so that's for the moment where I'm pretty comfortable with option four mm, mm. discrediting that one very helpful response and hopefully very helpful for the person uh, who sent it in as well uh, and for those who might have asked the question before around genocide in the Bible um, and possibility of, of God commanding it Chris, we're at our last question. I feel like that went, I don't know if this has gone long or if this has gone quick, actually. I feel like this is just way too much fun for us. Yeah. But we got one last question. Yep, and again, it's a doozy. The question is, why are there so many kinds of Christians? Uh, and then it's backed by, how do we know who is right? <laughs> okay. Why are there so many kinds of Christians? Um it's the way I think of this question. It's almost like asking, like, why are there so many different types of diets? You know, like, <clears throat> um, man, it, it this really is like a challenging question to, to answer without kind of going into all the history of it at all. So, mm-hmm. he, here's what I would say on that second part of the question. Let's start there. Yep. Collect your thoughts, Chris. How do we know who is right? Yeah, I would say that is like we agree on ninety nine percent of stuff. Mm. All Christians agree on 99% of stuff. The stuff we do disagree on slightly um, probably impacts the way in which our church services look. But you could have a church service with someone in robes. Um, you could have a church service like we do at Beyond and we could still agree on 99% of what the what Jesus taught, all of that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, but it's just those little things that for whatever reason seem to make a large difference. A large, large difference. So... Why are there so many different kinds of Christians? Well, I would say that for a long period of time, there wasn't. Mm. There was just one type. And in fact, you know, we all come out of that Roman Catholic church because, you know, the church began in the first century. The church began in Jerusalem. And then there was atrocities within the church. And then a reformer came along um, in the 16th century um, or 15th century. One of those, I forget. 15th, yeah. Riley's updating me. He's letting me know. 15th, I was wrong. 15th century. Oh, I think. Gosh, now I'm backing myself in. Um, and, I've actually and, done a rap about the reformers before. 
Um, that is such a lame thing to chuck that out on this podcast. what happens when you study theology. Yeah, right, and so, back to so, the podcast. Yeah, for, for a long, long time, there was only one um, one denomination or one way of one group of um, Jesus followers. Uh, and unfortunately, um, they got caught up. They got mixed up with church and state and power and politics got involved. Mm-hmm. And then uh, this um, German upstart monk called Martin Luther mm. comes along. And, and honestly, something most people don't know is Luther never wanted to break away from the Roman Catholic Church. He always wanted to reform it. He always wanted to bring it back to the gospel to help him understand, hey, you missed the mark and we need to get back and make the main thing the main thing. Unfortunately, the Roman Catholic Church didn't want to um, get on board. And then, uh, so Martin Luther broke away um, or was really kind of exiled from the Roman Catholic Church. Um, And actually, he didn't even want his denomination or his brand of Christianity to be Mm. called Lutheranism because he didn't want his name attached to anything Mm. of Mm. Jesus. Um, But yeah, and then there were people and schools of thought who thought, oh no, Luther didn't take his reform far enough. We need to change it further and further and further. And so there were lots of different denominations in response, honestly, to theological issues. And I think <clears throat> they're issues that are fun to talk about if you study theology. They're issues that are fun to like think about. But in terms of like, do these things um, you know, impact the way we love each other? No. Do these things impact the mission of the global church? No. Um, do these things impact how welcoming we should be and how much we should love our community? No, mm. not at all. Um, like, like I said, they're fun things to talk about over dinner while you're having a beer while you're having a coffee they're fun things to think about but in terms of the practicality of following Jesus um, and there will be people who will disagree and get angry that I've said this but like I don't I, and again I was someone who used to think they were a much bigger deal than what they are mm-hmm. but I think for most people they're not that big of a deal you can even go and, and check them out see what they kind of think about some core beliefs and mm. you'll discover pretty quick ah. and it's often why we say it beyond hey you know you can be from the Uniting Church, the Anglican Church, the Catholic Church, Lutheran Church, all those things. You can disagree with some of the things we believe theologically. That's okay. We just want you to be on board with the mission. We just want you to be on board that, hey, I want to inspire people to follow Jesus by creating a church that unchurched people love to engage with. And you are so welcome. Because mm. um, we, I just think, and we think in the past, like theological debates have unnecessarily split and cause division yes. in the local church. It can take up so much space as well. And they don't need to. To someone experiencing, yep. <clears throat> Love it. I agree on ninety nine percent of the stuff. Chris, that is a wrap for our BTM podcast uh, with all those questions from asking for a friend. Again, thank you so much, friends of the show, for for sending in your questions and for engaging with us uh, on our online community and coming along, being part of the the series that built up uh, to the series of asking for a friend as well and and getting all your questions through every Sunday through the QR scan code. We had an absolute ball. I think we should do this again. I think we should too. Yeah. So if you've got more questions, keep asking them, keep submitting them. And uh, and if you want to take a next step and you've enjoyed what we've been talking about, then I'd encourage you, you know, um, I'm sure we can put a link in our link in the description to join a group um, and get connected and join starting point or join a connect oh, 100%. group. 100. Yeah. Yeah, and if you're even seeking out, maybe um, maybe you're someone who's just like, this is this is all really cool. There's some extra stuff I want to explore here. Have you got any resources too? Uh, we would love to engage with you as well. So drop a comment. You can get in touch on any of our social media uh, beyond Church AU as well, uh, and we would love to hear from you. Never wrapped up a BTM podcast before. (laughs) Happy for this to stay in. 
Thanks so much again, Chris. That's a great wrap up. What a treat. That's perfect. Bring on the next episode. Room for a treat. See you soon.